Let's look at chap, uh, Mark chapter 7 tonight. Mark chapter 7. And there's just one verse that I want you to notice with me tonight out of Mark chapter 7. And, and, and it's a verse that talks about Jesus. And, and there's a characteristic of Jesus that's talked about here that I want us to apply to our lives and not just to, to church. You know, sometimes we kind of compartmentalize our lives and, and we have our church life and then we have our work life and then we have our recreational life. And, and our work life doesn't affect our recreational life except for the fact that we may work longer than we want and, and our church life doesn't affect any other part of our life. But I want to share some things with you tonight that can apply to every area of our life. And so let's notice Mark chapter 7 and notice verse 37. We'll back up to verse 36 to kind of get the context. And Jesus charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying... He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Father, we thank you tonight that we can come and look at your word. And, and I pray, Father, that tonight that we could uh, apply this to our life in every area of our life that we might be the people that you called us to be, the people you created us to be. And Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to strive for excellence in every area of our life. And as you do that, we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to notice the remark and the compliment that was paid Jesus here in this passage of Scripture. It is said here that Jesus did all things well. Now this was after he had healed a man who was deaf and who couldn't speak. And I believe that Jesus did such a work of grace in this man's life that, that when he got through, he could hear. Now, I don't know if you're like I am, that the older I'm getting, the more I have a hard time hearing. My wife says it's selective hearing, but, but, but still, there, there are moments in life that, that I just don't hear things like I used to hear. Especially in a crowded room with everybody talking, I don't hear like I used to. I believe Jesus did such a remarkable work of healing in this man's life, he could really hear good. Not only could he hear, he could speak. And he spoke with clarity. And when the people saw that, they said, Jesus, he, he does all things well. And you know, that, that remark could have been made about anything that Jesus did. For instance, Jesus' teaching was, like, uh, was unlike any that the people had ever heard. The Bible says he spoke with authority and, and people came to hear him because he spoke so well. And even today, preachers and Bible colleges and seminaries have studied the written sermons of Jesus for years. He was such a master teacher and preacher. Jesus not only spoke well, Jesus also lived well. The Bible says that, that he was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. Can you imagine a man living all of his life? I mean, from the time he was a child to the time he died and never commit sin? That's a life well lived, isn't it? That's a life of discipline that, that quite frankly I don't have and probably most of us in here don't have. 
Jesus' works were also those that no man did. As a matter of fact, Nicodemus said, no man can do these works unless God's with him. Think about all of the miraculous things that Jesus did. He did all things well, didn't he? I mean, when he fed the 5,000, he did it in such a manner, there were leftovers for the next day. He did all things well. And in doing so, I believe that Jesus gave us an example to follow. Jesus wants us to do all things well because of the service uh, who we're giving our service to. Now, folks, listen. The Bible says that we're to do as unto the Lord. That means that we're to serve our employer as though God were the boss. Now, if you've got a job and you don't necessarily like your employer, that's understandable but we're to serve as unto the Lord. We're to serve as though God were the boss. That means when we go to school, we're to go to school and serve there as though God were the teacher and give that teacher the respect that's due that teacher, but also make the grades. Strive to be the best. That same thing can also be in our home as unto the Lord. And we're to serve whether it's in church or whether it's at, the, at school or whether it's at the job or whether it's at home so we can hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful service. And we're to do all of these things because God's worthy, is He not? He is worthy of our best. He's worthy of all we have to offer. And I believe that Jesus wants us to be our best and do all things well because a waste of potential is sin. Now listen, to give anything less than what God made us to do is sin. And God made us to be excellent. God made us to fulfill our potential. And one of the saddest things that's ever going to take place is one of these days when we get to eternity and God is going to show us what we could have been and God's going to show us what we could have done. And we'll have to sit back and bow our heads and say, God, I didn't do all things well. I didn't turn out like you wanted me to be. That's going to be sad, isn't it? Very sad. Now, to do all things well, first of all, let's understand that our heart must be in what we're doing. Did you know that we'll never make the effort to do all things well unless our heart's in it? Now, this is certainly true in our service to God. Didn't Jesus say that we're to love Him what? With all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And when that happens, when we serve God with all of our heart, what we'll see is we'll see sacrificial service to God. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross. A cross involved death. A cross involved sacrifice. And when we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength, we'll actually make sacrifices in order to serve Him. He will come first. Not only that, I believe that when we serve God with all of our heart, there will be enthusiastic service to Jesus. Have you ever noticed how we come to church sometimes? We come to church in any way but in, with enthusiasm. Have you ever noticed how folks go to football games? Oh, they go to football games with their, with their school shirt on. And they'll go to football games with, these, with their with school hat on. And they'll go to football games and before the game ever starts, everybody's all worked up, right? 
Why is it that we can't serve God with that kind of enthusiasm? I've talked to folks in our church before that are deer hunters, and boy, you want to get them really excited. Talk about deer hunting. Talk about fishing. And, and folks get real excited. Talk about golf with a golfer, and he gets real excited. Amen? Why is it when we talk about Jesus, we don't get excited? It's because our heart's not in it. Because if our heart's really in it, and if we're loving God with all of our heart, there'll be enthusiasm. And when we love God with all of our heart, there'll be persistent service to Christ. You know, when your heart's in it, it's hard to make a person quit, isn't it? How many of you sat in a football game with it raining? How many of you sat in a football game with it 30 degrees outside and the wind's blowing and your nose is turning red, but you're not going to leave because your team's down there? Hmm? I've done it. How many of you guys have ever went fishing and it's so cold, I, I, I mean, the worms are frozen? And you're out in the middle of that lake and, uh, hey, I've been there. I've seen fellas like that in our church do that. And I'm ready to go home. Oh, we're going to catch a fish here in a minute. Yeah, we're going to catch a cold. But they're persistent. And folks, when our heart's in something, we're going to be persistent in doing it. And that's why God wants us in our service to Him. Because when, our, when we love God with all of our heart, we'll make the effort to do all things well. Now, have you ever done something and your heart wasn't in it? How many of you have ever went to work and your heart really wasn't in your work? Hmm? Man, we've done that, haven't we? How many of you guys have ever went to the mall with your wife and your heart really wasn't in it? You went because you loved your wife, but your heart really wasn't in it. You know, the other night I was with, uh, with my wife at Walmart and I was at my favorite spot, the little bench right in, the, in that area. And I was sitting there, and one of the ladies at Walmart came out and said, Mr., we notice you're always out here, right here in this spot. Is there something wrong? I said, yeah, my wife's shopping. My heart's not in going to Walmart. How many of you guys, your heart's in going to Walmart? Braden and, and Shaky, but Shaky lied, okay? Uh, and I, but we go, right? But we're not enthusiastic about it. And folks, if your heart's not in what you're doing, let me share with you a couple of things that's going to happen. If our heart is not in what we're doing, we're just going to go through the motions. And, and, and if you've ever been at a job where your heart wasn't in it, you just went through the motions looking at the clock, and folks, if your heart's not in it, that clock really moves slowly. When our heart's not in it, then we're not going to give, especially in church, we're just going to give God the leftovers of our time and material and resources and just kind of go through the motions. And that's true of church. It's true of life itself. Without our heart being in it, we will never make the effort to do things well. But if our heart's in it, there'll be the refusal to accept anything less than the best. That's why, folks, when our heart's in something, we're going to refuse to, to accept failure as final. Now, I know that all believers and all churches have failures. I mean, Jesus' apostles were proof of that. Look at his apostles. 
didn't Peter deny Jesus? That's a failure. Thomas doubted even the resurrection. That's a failure. When Jesus needed his disciples to go with him into the garden, what did they do? They went to sleep. That's failure. When, when Jesus was on the cross, nobody but John was there. That means the other 11 failed him. And, and you know, as you begin to look at these apostles, we can look at ourselves and, and we can realize that there are times we haven't done all things well. Have you ever failed God? I have. I failed the Lord. Have you failed God? Sure, we can probably say, yes, all of us have failed God. That's true of churches. Have churches ever failed in their mission? Have churches ever failed being what God wanted them to be? Yes. But when our heart is committed to doing all things well, failure is never final. See, when our heart is committed to doing all things well, we learn from failure and we don't repeat the same mistakes. We, we had a television ministry in the last church that I was at and I made a horrible mistake. I watched it one day. And, and, and having taught preachers at college before, I watched it with a yellow notepad. When I got through, there were three pages of notes, all negative. It was horrible. The next Sunday I went to church and noticed the cameras and was just horror-stricken. These people in this community are seeing me preach. And I forgot one thing. Mike, it's not you, it's him. See? And I had to learn from that failure that it's not you, it's him. Now, there are a lot of failures we make in life. Isn't that true? But failure is never final unless we refuse to learn from the mistake. Now, we're going to make mistakes, but you know, we can learn from those mistakes and we can be better people from it. And that's where excellence comes in. We learn how to do all things well by learning from our mistakes. And when our heart is committed to doing all things well, we refuse to, to quit just because we fail. Peter made a horrible mistake, didn't he, when he denied Jesus? And he thought about quitting. He told the other disciples, I'm going fishing. Who wants to go with me? But when he saw Jesus, and Jesus allowed him to recommit himself, Peter didn't quit. Instead, he got up, and about 40 days later, you know what took place? He preached, and 3,000 people got saved. Failure is never final unless we allow it to cause us to quit. So just because we fall down, get up. Don't quit. God wants us to do all things well. And because when our heart is com committed to doing all things well, we need to remember that God can remake the clay. He can remake each of us. Where we're cracked, where we're flawed, He can remake us and mold us into His image. Now the key to doing all things well is to have our heart in it and do it wholeheartedly. Folks, the problem in most churches tonight is we're doing things half-heartedly. We're just going through the motions. Folks, if you're going to do something, do it wholeheartedly. Somebody says, well, I can't sing. Fine, sing off-key wholeheartedly. 
irritate everybody around you to where the folks that can sing sing so loud they cover you up. Amen? I'm not a very good teacher. That's all right. Teach wholeheartedly. Be so enthusiastic, folks forget about the rest of it. What we do needs to be done with all of our hearts. And then to do all things well, we need to see the outcome. See, when we make the decisions to do things well, did you know people are going to notice? People notice when we do things well. Did you know that lost people notice whether or not we're enthusiastic about our service to Christ? Why should they want to come to church and be as miserable as we portray ourselves to be in the public? Come on. But if we're enthusiastic, they'll see that. And and in our enthusiasm for the Lord, it will draw people to Christ. See, lost people can tell if our heart's in our church or not. They can tell that. And the worst advertisement to a lost person is a church that doesn't do church well. Come on. In the first little church that I pastored, I got to be the janitor and the music director and the Sunday school teacher and the preacher. And, and so I got up to lead singing the first Sunday I was there and we had a little girl at our piano and she said, we sing three songs here and make them the short ones. I don't want to play very long. Okay. And so that first Sunday, we sang the three ones short. We sang two songs. We, we actually opened with prayer. We had two songs, had another prayer, another song, and then I preached. That's the way they always did it. And so I'd been there a little while, and I said, you know, we, we need to change things up. Let's shake things up a little bit. And so she, she, she played, and I announced a fourth song, and she was halfway down the aisle. And she turned around in front of everybody in our church and looked at me and said, don't you ever do that again. We had visitors there going, why? They caught on. Her heart wasn't in it. She's a good piano player, but her heart wasn't in it. She's just doing it because her mom and daddy made her. But her heart wasn't in it. They could see where my heart was at. Boy, that guy's mischievous. Ooh. But folks, listen, people know if our heart's not in it. People know that. They know if the preacher's heart's not in it. And, and sometimes we get discouraged and, and sometimes we can look out and maybe there's not the biggest crowd as we thought. But folks, let me share something with you. This little boy here is as important as anybody else in this church. And if he were the only little kid here tonight, if he were the only person here tonight, he would be worthy of the preacher sharing the message of God with him. Amen? Come on. Matter of fact, he may be more important. He's got a whole lot of years of service left. Some of us old codgers don't have as much, huh? But people can tell if we're enthusiastic about it. They, they can tell. And listen, the, the size of the church has nothing to do with doing things well. Did you know large churches can do things bad? Small churches can do things well. And for that reason, folks, when we do Sunday school, it ought to be done well. Those of you that are Sunday school teachers, you ought to be studied up, you ought to be prayed up. And when, you, when your students come in for Sunday school, man, you ought to lay it all on them. Amen? And by the way, if you teach little kids in Sunday school, they know when you're not prepared. 
I can fake you out. You can't fake these kids out. They know. And if you really want to have problems in Sunday school, be unprepared. You'll get them. Sunday school ought to be done well. Not only should Sunday school be done well, church ought to be done well. Our music ought to be done well. Our, our, the sermon ought to be done well. Children's church ought to be done well. I, I, I sometimes laugh at my wife. She says, I'm only going to have one in Sunday school. And I said, man, you're preparing a lot for that one. Then I got to thinking, that one's as important as anybody else. Hmm? Whatever we do, it should be done well. Superstars ought to be done well. Whatever we do, it ought to be done well. Listen, it's better to have one or two things in a church that are done right than 20 that are sloppy. Amen? I scared him away from the front row. <laughs> See, folks, people are attracted to ministries that are carried on well by enthusiastic people. Now, I hate some of the commercials on TV. One of them I hate with a passion is J.G. Wentworth. It's my money, and I want it now. But you know one thing about it, they're enthusiastic. Hmm? Are they not? And, and folks, people are attracted to that. Now, I think also when we make a decision to do things well, God notices. When we make a decision to do things well, God will bless us beyond our ability. Listen, the early church grew. Now listen to me. The early church grew in spite of the lack of education and in spite of the lack of ability of those apostles. If the apostles were living today, did you know that their resume would not be good enough to go to the average Baptist church. Now think about it. How much education do you have, Peter? Oh, I don't. Well, let's see. You don't have any education? No, I know it's seminary. And you want to come to our church and preach? Well, you know, I was with the Lord for three and a half years. So what? Come on, follow with me here now. They didn't have education. They didn't have a lot of ability. But you know what they did have? They had God's hand on them. Because they were committed to evangelizing the world and doing all things well. And so God laid his hand on them and God laid his power on them. And in one short generation, you know what took place? They turned the world upside down. And folks, if we wanted to see the miraculous, we need to make the decision to do all things well for the purpose of honoring God. And when that happens, he'll bless us beyond our wildest dreams. And I believe that God also blesses in eternity when we make the decision to do all things well. Because one day we'll hear him say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Now folks, listen. Many people never fulfill their potential. They never become what God wants them to be because they never have made that decision to do all things well. Let me give you a football illustration, and I know that some of you folks don't think well of my high school, and that's all right. Amen, Ava. Yeah, okay. But you know, when we were in high school, we beat a lot of teams that had more talent than we had. 
We beat a lot of teams that had superstars. You know why? We had made the commitment we were going to do all things well, even if it killed us. They relied on talent. We relied on work. And you know what happens? The team that makes the decision to do all things well will beat the team that goes half-heartedly into a game. Folks, God wants us to do all things well to the very best of our potential. You may say, well, Brother Mike, I'm not as good a preacher as... Uh, I, I, I'm not as good of a uh, singer as, as Sandy Patty. That's all right. That's all right. Just do all things well. God can bless you in, in a way that, that's remarkable. You want one of the, the, one of the songs that blessed me more than any other was sung by a dear lady that was 83 years old in our church, and her voice cracked, and she couldn't sing on key, and she, as a matter of fact, couldn't keep up with the tape. But when she got through, I almost gave the invitation. Because it's not natural ability, dear friends. It's the Spirit of God moving in our midst. That's what's needed. God made us to excel. We should give Him our best. We should accept nothing less than that. And we should make the commitment to do all things well. Now listen, if you're a Jenner, do all things well. Gen that God. If you're a student, be the best student you can be. If you're a welder, weld it to the best you can be. If you're a politician, <laughs> that was a bad joke at your expense. Right? No, no. <laughs> but do all things well. That's what God wants us to do.